Welcome to True Drew Podcast, your source for all things Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Avery, and on this podcast, we'll discuss everything from the Nancy Drew books, to computer games, to movie adaptations, and TV shows. Nothing is off the table. So if you're a True Drew, you'll definitely want to tune in for this podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of True Drew Podcast and today for our 14th episode we're going to talk about something super cool. So if you're a Nancy Drew fan you've probably heard of the Her Interactive Computer Games and when I say that these were my childhood I am not even kidding. So these games came out during the golden age, the late 90s to early to mid 2000s. Now, I talked about these games in my introductory episode, and I told you all how I kind of got into them, but my first Her Interactive Computer game was Message in a Haunted Mansion, and I actually found it at Target one day, and I was probably, I think I was like in the fourth or fifth grade, and it was the coolest thing. I loved being able to play as Nancy and go into this interactive and immersive world where as a girl, you could solve problems and solve mysteries. So I know for the podcast, we've been going in chronological order for the books, but I plan to do that for the games. But I did think it would be interesting to start out with Secret of the Old Clock as the first game that we discuss, because the majority of this game is based on the first three or four books of the Nancy Durr series. And this game is quite different from the others. It's set in 1930. And so there's people who really love this game and there's people who really hate this game. And I'll let you figure out later in the episode what camp I'm in. So to get started, I thought it would be cool to share a few quick facts about this game. So Secret of the Old Clock was released in 2005 and this was for the 75th anniversary of Nancy Drew, which this blows my mind because we're only a few years away now from the 100th anniversary of Nancy Drew. But this game was based on elements of Secret of the Old Clock, The Hidden Staircase, The Bungalow Mystery, and Mystery at Lilac Inn. So some of the specific plot points taken from these books, we of course have Josiah Crowley and his will, and the Toppums are from Secret of the Old Clock. There were hauntings in this game, like in Hidden Staircase, and Jane Willoughby is a play off of Emily Willoughby. And there's an explosion and stolen jewelry, like in the book Mystery at Lilac Inn. Now, there's several characters in this game. There's Emily Crandall, there's Jane Willoughby, Richard Topham, Jim Archer, and Yuri the Cat. So, for the majority of this game, Emily Crandall is up in her bedroom, sitting in the window seat when she's not, like, sashaying out of the burning building when the stove catches on fire. But she has darker hair, and she's wearing a nightgown. And then there's Jane Willoughby, who is Emily's guardian. And I'm so glad. I I was listening to an episode by another podcast, uh, The Curlmaster Sisters, and I was so glad when they said she looked like melted Joan Cusack because she always looked like that to me as a kid. I was like, am I the only one that thinks this woman looks like Joan Cusack? Just very deformed looking, but I'm glad I'm not the only one in the Nancy Drew community that thinks that. But Jane is normally in the foyer of the Lilac Inn, And then we have Jim Archer, who is a banker, so you can find him at the bank. 
And I swear, this man looks like a who from Whoville because he has this little red button nose. And I don't know if it's the bald head and the glasses, but he looks like a who. You can't tell me any differently. And then there's Richard Topham, who is in Josiah Crowley's old house, which is on the property of the Lilac Inn. And he has gray hair. I guess he's supposed to be kind of like a silver fox, but he's, he's just this weird dude who believes in like telepathy and stuff. And he's the one that owns Yuri the cat. And Yuri the cat is like a precursor to Grumpy Cat. This cat, whoever um, animated this cat, it looks so deformed. But we love Yuri. I love all the animals in the Nancy Drew computer games. So before I jump into the game synopsis, I thought it would be very entertaining to try my best to imitate some of these characters. Okay, so here's my best Emily Crandall. You're the bee's knees. Okay, here's my best Jane Willoughby. Well, hello. I'll bet my bloomers you're Nancy Drew. <laughs> okay, here's Jim Archer. Oh, no. I heard there'd been a fire in the kitchen. Well, when it rains, it pours. Now for Richard Topham. Yuri, no. What card am I thinking of? What card am I looking at? Tell me, what card am I concentrating on? And then finally, last but not least, Yuri the cat. <laughs> her interactive if you need a voice actress i'm just saying just putting that out there i also do want to highlight some of the voice actors and actresses because they do such a fantastic job for these games so of course nancy is voiced by the iconic lonnie manella she voiced nancy for so many years through so many games and she's the best. The person that voiced Carson Drew in this game was Dennis Reagan, and I thought he did a good job of voicing Carson. Now, the person that voiced Jane Willoughby was Sarah Papineau, and Emily Crandall was voiced by Wilaine Sharples. Richard Topham is voiced by Tim Moore, and Jim Archer was voiced by Ben Lawrence. I thought it was so cute that Yuri the cat got a voice credit too, and it just says Corey the cat. <laughs> Now, we also have Bess and George in this game as phone contacts, and it says that Bess was voiced by Alyssa Murray, and George was voiced by Patty Pumplin. This game had so many talented voice actors. There's also a telephone operator lady, and her name is Miss Joukowsky, and she is voiced by Megan Hill, and you may recognize her voice because she also voiced Heather McKay in Danger by Design. Another really cool voice actress uh, voices Miss O'Shea, who is at the orphanage in the game, and it's Amy Broomhall, and she voiced J.J. Ling in Danger by Design. And when you look at the time frame for these games, Danger by Design was not that far after Secret of the Old Clock, so it makes sense. Oh yeah, and I almost forgot about the tubby telegram guy. He is voiced by Jonah Von Spreken, and you get to deliver telegrams in this game if you want to earn more money and you need the money because you need gas because you're driving around like crazy. But uh, he has an interesting voice. I, let me see if I can do it. Here's your money, and here's your next telegram. Deliver this one out to Dr. Ackerman at Deer Mountain Resort. I just love that with this game, they went all out with the 1930s, like, transatlantic accents and the music and just all of it, the setting. It was really great. Speaking of the music... The soundtrack for this game is phenomenal. Like when I say that I listen to this sometimes when I'm reading a book or just need some background ambiance, I'm not even kidding. 
I'll have to do a whole nother episode just ranking the different Nancy Drew game soundtracks because some of them are so good, but I'm going to play you a couple clips of some of the songs. This first song is called Amuse, and I just love the overall feeling of it. I mean, does that not get you in the mood to act like you're from the 1930s and drive around this blue roadster? Because if that doesn't, I don't know what will. This next song is called Common, and it's pretty cool too. You hear it mostly when you're walking around in the parlor and down in the bottom part of the Lilac Inn. I mean, is that not so good? It's so good. And then this next song plays in a creepy section of tunnels that you find underneath the inn. I think that the Nancy Drew soundtracks play such a big part of setting the atmosphere for some of these games. So I'm going to go ahead and read a little game synopsis of what happens in this game. If you haven't played this game, there's a lot of spoiler alerts, so you've been forewarned. As Nancy, we visit Titusville to check on our friend Emily Crandall, who recently lost her mom and inherited Lilac Inn. We meet Jane Willoughby, Emily's guardian, and Emily says bad things have been happening, but before she can go into more detail, the stove in the kitchen explodes. The jewels Emily was showing us that belonged to her mother are now missing and presumed stolen. Nancy decides to stick around and see what's going on, and Emily lets it slip that she wishes Josiah Crowley had left them in the will, like he promised, and everything hadn't gone to top them. She goes to the bank to talk to Jim Archer about the stolen jewelry and Richard Topham to talk about Josiah Crowley. But first, Topham wants her to take a mental capacity test before we can talk to him. Nancy also catches a jewelry receipt blowing in the wind and finds out Josiah had a key appraised. Could it go to the clock Jim Archer has in his office that Josiah gave him? Nancy can also phone her father Carson and friends Bess and George for help during this case. We as Nancy then have to go about a wild goose chase of driving around town on different people's errands because we have a car in order to get Josiah's trivet back. We also have to get par on the golf course behind the inn to get toys for the kids at the orphanage. After solving several more puzzles and following more leads, we find a series of secret tunnels under the house that explain why Emily thought she was hearing voices and seeing a picture move. We also figure out that essentially, Jane Willoughby, Emily's guardian, is an imposter out to get Emily's fortune. Now, I know I said in the synopsis that we have to make par on the golf course, but I was yesterday days old when I figured out that you can actually go to the general store in this game and just buy the toys. 
my mind was blown when I was replaying the game for this podcast episode. I was like, what? You mean to tell me that all these years I could have just gone and bought these toys? I was shocked. I actually posted this to Instagram stories for our Instagram True Drew podcast. And some of you all were like, yeah, I've known this all along. But I was like, I, I didn't know because you can drive to so many different locations in the game. And I just was bored. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's in this general store. And there's a whole old vending machine where you can buy like a teddy bear and a doll and all these different things. And I was like, Ugh, this could have saved me so much time. But not really, though, because I mean, even if you don't do the golf course route, you would have to drive around and deliver so many telegrams to make enough money to buy the toys. So I don't know. It really just comes down to which one is less frustrating. <laughs> I will say that the golf, playing the mini golf game was so hard for me as a kid, but upon replaying this game, it was much more fun to me, but sewing the dress is still the most annoying thing, and I will stand by that. Now, there are quite a few Easter eggs in this game, and I put in parentheses, not those kind. We will talk about the actual Easter egg in this game, but I wrote down Easter eggs because there's so many hints and allusions to the books and I thought this was so cool. So the first little Easter egg to the Nancy Drew books is there is a picture of Ed Stratmeyer which can be seen on the staircase in the inn when you're going up to see Emily and I thought that was so cool just a nod to the creator of Nancy Drew. There's also an allusion to Carolyn Keene which is the ghost writer name for the person that well the several people that wrote the Nancy Drew books and there's a running gag through the game uh, when you win the little Oh, it's the game where you're sliding the different characters around for a Midsummer Night's Dream. And the word keen comes down when you win. Emily also mentions a great Aunt Harriet, and a lot of people think this is a nod to Harriet Stratmire. There are several places in the books, too, that are mentioned in this game, and a few of them include Deer Mountain Resort, which is in the book The Haunted Bridge, and Camp Avondale, which was in Secret of the Old Clock. Also, if you've been paying attention to the podcast episodes, Jim Archer is a character in the books who marries Helen Corning, and he is in this game as the banker, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, as for the actual Easter egg, and if you've played the Nancy Drew games, you know that Easter egg, that term, is literally an Easter egg that you can find in the game. So if you straighten the picture in Emily's room 10 times, and you have to do it at a certain time in the game, the... I think it's after you go in the passageway, but the picture will talk to you and it will say tickled pink. Kind of odd. So I took down some notes for this game like I do the books because I thought it would be just interesting to share some revelations I had about this game. So first I said, I want someone narrating my life in a 1930s transatlantic accent. Also, I love the coin phone and the phone operator and all the funny 1930s slang that we get in this game. I'd also never paid attention to this little tidbit of information, but Jim Archer says that Josiah Crowley was reading The Makeup Secrets of Lon Chaney when he died at the library, and Lon Chaney was a real person, and he was known for his makeup in Phantom of the Opera and The Hunchback of Notre Dame, so I thought that was kind of cool. The next thing I wrote down is, who is Richard Topham calling intellectually unendowed? What a jerk. I mean, all the puzzles he gives Nancy to prove that she, you know, won't damage his brain cells by talking to her or like big cheese wet all over. Like they're not that hard. 
I also wrote down, I used to hate the mini golf game as a kid because it was so hard, but it's kind of charming and fun as an adult. I used to make my brothers take turns and help me get par on it, and that was so fun. I liked including them, and I liked that we could play the Nancy Drew games together. However, those animations on the golf course when you hit into, you know, that hole where it goes into the airplane, that is like the longest animation ever, and the mechanism in the carriage house, and it does it every single time. That's the one gripe I have with this game. So my next note says Mr. Phelps at the print shop says not everyone can catch a 19-inch bass. It requires skill, muscles, and brains. That was kind of sexist. I also took note of the fact I I really like the black and white pictures that show between each location while you're delivering telegrams. And I just think it's cool. It's kind of immersive and adds to the atmosphere. My next note is the tunnels under the house creeped me out as a kid. They were really creepy. Just the fact that you could hear rocks falling and you you just knew somebody was following you. And another thing, what is up with the Creepy's Corner record? It is awful. The story about this guy turning into a warthog. I was like, wow, what what is going on? And my next note just says the sewing puzzle is just awful. It was always so hard for me as a kid to keep a steady hand and trace that line. It's it's kind of like that puzzle in Shadow at the Water's Edge where you're doing the calligraphy and writing your name. Ugh, it's so hard. My next note just says, I swear Thisbe is voiced by the same person who voiced Joy in Haunted Carousel. And it, it doesn't, I couldn't find any information online. So that's just me thinking it sounds like her. But I also found where someone said, you know, the person that voices Thisbe in the game is just named Mildred, and that's definitely a reference to Mildred Wirt Benson. Another thing, you mean to tell me that Jim Archer had no idea that Clara Pickford was really Josiah Crowley dressed up as a woman? Like, is the man blind? I, (laughs) this always made me laugh as a kid. And my last note is just Jane crashing into the pies at the end is epic. I don't know what it was about that, but like as a kid, seeing that happen and knowing that I apprehended the bad guy was the best thing ever. And it also really made me want blueberry pie. Now, I also wrote down some of the funniest quotes from this game because there are several and I might try my best at the voices, but it's kind of hard. So the first quote is just how we open the game and it's that transatlantic accent and it just sets the whole tone for the game. The year, 1930. The place, the road to Titusville. I just thought that they did such a good job of voicing these parts. Also, pretty much anything that Jane Willoughby slash Joan Cusack says, because she's she uses this slang, like she'll be like, some dumb Dora like me, or then there's a part where she's like, uh, just be like a Boy Scout and be prepared. <laughs> I also really liked Miss Joukowsky, the telephone operator. And the quote that I wrote down of hers was, See this headset I'm wearing? I plug it in and what do you know? I hear things. But the best quote of this entire game by far goes to Mrs. O'Shea, the woman that works at the orphanage, when she says, Of course it tastes bad, Clarence. It's a pine cone. Now, I also took note of some allusions to real life. And that's one of the coolest things I think about the Nancy Drew games is there's things that exist in real life that also exist in the games. And it kind of breaks that fourth wall and makes it seem so much more real. So when you're in the parlor of the Lilac Inn, there's a Like magazine. And it's an allusion to Life magazine. And it has Theodore Roosevelt on the cover. 
Also, the black and white pictures that I was mentioning that come up between locations, the mansion Miss Sheldon lives in is actually a picture of the Biltmore Mansion, but says Twin Elms, which is an allusion to the Hidden Staircase book. But I thought it was so funny that they used a legitimate picture of the Biltmore. Her interactive was like, ah, nobody will notice. Another fun little thing from the game is Bez and George mentioned that they're going to see The Big Trail, which is a movie with John Wayne, and it came out in 1930. Now on to the best and the worst puzzles of this game. And of course, this is objective. I know everyone else will have a different opinion, but these are my favorite puzzles. And then some of the ones that I didn't like. So some of my favorite puzzles in this game were the bird slider puzzle where you get a mirror. I, I love some of the puzzles like that. I know some people don't like slider puzzles, but the matching tile puzzle at Topham's, I'm always like, I love the memory like puzzles. And I actually like playing on the golf course. I didn't like it as a kid, but I like it much more as an adult. I also really like organizing the pies. They look so good, but it's so fun to just organize all the chocolate and cherry and blueberry pies. As for the puzzles I didn't like, I didn't really like the moon puzzle or the domino puzzle. There's, there's several puzzles in this game, but those were not really my favorite. As for the overall rating of this game, I would give it four magnifying glasses. I know this isn't everyone's favorite game, but after replaying it as an adult, it's so neat that it's set in 1930, and there's a cohesive story. The, most of the puzzles are pretty fun, minus the sewing of the dress, and it's just got such a cool atmosphere and great music and design. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you all liked this episode. I love talking about the Her Interactive Computer Games, and I can't wait to talk about them some more. And I'll definitely have to rank them later on in this podcast. But if you don't like Secret of the Old Clock, I get it. That's legitimate. And everyone has their favorite games and the games that they can't stand because of that one puzzle. But I encourage you to replay it. it it's so fun. I also want to know, what's the game that you're most excited about me talking about on this podcast? Do you have a favorite game or a favorite top three or top five? Because I know it's hard to narrow down to just one. But I'd like to know, uh, let me know on my Instagram, which is True Drew Podcast. Now for next week's episode, we're going to be discussing The Message in the Hollow Oak, which is the 12th Nancy Drew book. And I can't wait to talk about this one with you all. It's It was a pretty good book, but I have some opinions on it. So I want to know what you all think. So I hope you all will tune in for next week's episode. And until then, I will see you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Drew Podcast. If you'd like to stay up to date on the latest information and new episodes, our Instagram is True Drew Podcast. Or for general inquiries, you can email us at truedrewpodcast at gmail.com. 